0: A little rain, a gradual turning of leaves, the cosmos flowers going to seed. The world is on fire. And are you laughing, crying, protesting? First, establish yourself in the way. Good morning, all the Buddhas, and welcome in from the Ten Directions. Good morning, 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 morning. Mr. About a month ago, I asked um, Sabaha and Jagwa, uh, our Dharma students here at the temple, to do some research on humility and gratitude. Uh, Sabaha came up with um, a sort of a saying from C.S. Lewis that I was taken by. And uh, I'd like to read to you. Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble. Nowadays, he will not be a sort of greasy, swarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. Personally, I find it really refreshing when I do not think about myself at all. It's so easy to get into it, eh? But we're here. And I've been hanging around for a few decades. And sometimes I think, uh, because I read my old journal, say from 1993, I was saying this to some of our training students yesterday, And it seems to me that the things I was doing in 1993 are still the same, (laughs) you know, I keep repeating myself. However, I have been working on uh, my gradually being a crooked old crone with a chiropractor and in four months with just simple things, I made 15% improvement. Mm Not 100%, but I think, wow, 15%, that's pretty wonderful. Anyway, let's look at some of the story I'd like to um, share with you today. It's actually first the story, and then we're going to look at some of the Buddha's guidance from the Anapanasati Sutra. Before I turned up to the temple on a motorcycle, on the back of a motorcycle, actually, many years ago, I was a kind of seeker. And... um, I was hanging out with a guy, a partner, who was also a seeker. In fact, I just followed him around more than I followed myself around. And that's actually how we got here to uh, Buddhist practice and Zen Buddhism. Anyway, I was uh, living in, in Canada, and... He was working at McMaster University in Hamilton, and there was some kind of a poster up there. That was in the time when posters were the main method of communication often. And it said that somebody by the name of Allen Ginsberg was going to be giving a performance. And I didn't really know much about Allen Ginsberg. I heard that he was kind of an outrageous sort of poet. Uh, And so, akin to doing kind of outrageous things like that at, my, at that time, uh, the two of us turned up, and it was at a field house at McMaster University. There are lines and lines of benches, and the crowd looked kind of like a bunch of hippies, and probably we did too. It was kind of those times. And there was some openings in the front row benches, so I just went right up to the front. It was no seat price. You could just get in for five bucks. And so then here comes this Alan Ginsberg, who I'd really not had much to do with. Only his reputation had been going around. And he's a bald head with some hair kind of hanging down the sides, wire glasses, glinty eyes. It felt like he was looking through me every time he kind of looked in my direction. And so he began to recite poetry, to sing songs, to the accompaniment of the harmonium, you know, a little piano instrument. And uh, he had uh, another person with him who played the guitar and sang songs. And Alan was really out, beautifully, delightfully out with, I'm a gay person. And all the kind of, Lines for his long, for with from his poems and songs were really c- intriguing to me. this I really liked how beautiful, kind of authentic and genuine he was. I wondered if there could be such a person who was so out there like that. Mm-hmm. You know. So as he went on, it seemed like there was some wisdom there that really intrigued me. So at halftime, when there was a break, he stood up on the platform. Just, it was kind of like a platform like that. And um, he took questions. So I decided, well, I should get in line and ask a question. This was an opportunity, you know? So I stood in line, uh, just waiting, one person after next, and then there I was and looking up at him there. So what is my question? So I blurted out, what is the most important thing? Mm. And he said back, very no thought it seemed like, he said, breath. And I was deeply disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because, I mean, of course, breath is important to keep us alive, but I was sure that he was going to say something like, world peace, or compassion, or wisdom, but breath? <laughs> 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 so I was kind of stuck in an awkward moment there with him. And I think he picked up on my awkward moment because afterwards, and I shuffled back, thinking that I wish I could ask better questions, <laughs> uh, um, to my place, and the second half began. And he began to tell, um, he began to actually recite one of his poems with the odd kind of chord from his harmonium. And it was very interesting because it was about a meditator sitting, breathing. Mm -hmm. Just in and out, and there was a few lines about just breathing in and out. And then he talked in his lines about the breath connecting with the space around the meditator. And then out into the room. And then outside the windows into the trees. Always this breath connecting, always this breath connecting. And I began to think, I think he's talking to
1: me. (laughs) He's
0: trying to give a little commentary on his answer, you know? So there we are and he's spinning that the breath is connected out into the sky and to some honky tonk piano players in a bar in New York City and to another place in Wyoming and into some spiritual places in South America and India. And then he had the lines weave the breath as connecting with a whole sort of essence around the world and out into the sky, into the universe. And I I liked it, but I didn't understand it. I had no experience. It was like, OK, but I don't know what he's trying to tell me. Maybe you already know, but I was a little ignorant, pretty ignorant. So that was some interesting experience. And so I went on after that, and I My version of whatever your version of your pilgrimage is, is that I took up yoga, and I I took yoga training and became a yoga teacher. And then I took the advanced training, and all through that was breathing. First there's the deep diaphragmatic breathing, but then there's the breathing to raise your energy, and then there's the breathing to calm your energy, and then there's the breathing to cool you when you're hot. I mean, more than just hot, like the temperature. But so I thought I was getting clues as to what Allen Ginsberg's answer had been to me. (coughs) So I went on, I got involved with the temple on that motorcycle and went on and on and on until where was I, I was living here. I had been at the temple in Toronto and then came here. And I'm from Vancouver and by that time, I had children, and so my mother was always wanting me to go back home with her granddaughter. So I would. And at, that, at one of the visits back home, I was at the New Age Community Center, and there was another flyer, and it said, you know, Buddhist monk and teaches Taoist breathing. And so I phoned. Because I had a couple of weeks and my mother had said to me, honey, I'll take care of Grima. You go do what you want to do. So I phoned the number on this flyer. You know, you probably had coincidences too. The person who answered the phone happened to be the person that had accompanied me on my first pilgrimage to Korea. In fact, she had been the first person, like the greeter here or something at the temple, when I went in to the temple the first time. And she actually taught me prostrations. And she sewed my first meditation clothes. So, and I knew she had gone to Korea and she'd stayed in Korea. And after I'd pilgrimaged there, she, I thought she had stayed on, but she came back to Vancouver and was working with this monk. So I said, well, can I come over and learn Taoist breathing? She said, yes. So I went over, and for a couple of weeks while I was there, every day I spent about five hours with them working on this special breathing that involved the tonshin area, which is the energy center for our body. And it had a beautiful chant that went with it, and it had kind of beautiful, simple movements of the body that went with it too. So it was very embodied, really a center here with the body embodiment. So I came back here with that, and every morning I would get up an hour earlier and put on that tape of the chanting and do the little routine that I had learned for about an hour before we wake up in 108 prostrations. And it was like, I can't even see 15% here of change, but I think I'm going to just hang in with this because there's something about it that feels right. So we're going on with daily life with leading a retreat over in the next building because we didn't have this one yet. It was evening practice, and uh, I rang the bell for a break, usually our 10-minute break, and it was a bright night a bright night because the moon was shining, just like this past harvest moon. It really brought a light in to my room up here the way I'd never seen any other moon do it. So the moon was kind of like that. I think it might have been the harvest moon retreat. And I had been doing this breathing with my meditation, and there I was just relaxing in the break, and all of a sudden I had this experience of being at one with the room, out the windows, the trees, the sky, the moon. And 15 years later, probably, I got what <laughs> Alan Ginsberg had, the breath. It was like my practice just put me in touch with um, uh, the boundless nature of our existence. And I was deeply touched. And I thought, we should do this breathing as part of our meditation course because we have not been so specific. So that's why you all see if you take our meditation course that we always work with the breath in the tranchion area, the center of gravity, the center of the heat for our body. Because with constant breathing practice, you never know what kind of a boundless experience you might have. So let's look now at the Buddhist guidance about this. It's in the Anapanasati Sutta, about breathing it is. And the Anapanasati Sutta in English is the discourse on the full awareness of breathing. So I'm going to read to you the little introduction first so you get an idea how the Sangha was able, to. not so different from us, in a funny way, as I read it today, I saw that. And then we're going to go into some of the special breathing guidelines that the Buddha taught, and we'll actually work with them. And if you look up this online, you'll get it. On a, it's a good reason to go online, these days. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go online. Um, so that you can get these same lines and you can work with them yourself. It always, what I found, it's always good to get just a little different way of doing your meditation. It gets you back present again. And so I think this could be helpful. Anyway, please uh, set yourself in a, a, a posture so as to be able to be open to all of this. These words, this sound, this message and I'll give you some more guidance about that when we get to the actual Buddha's actual breathing guidelines. Discourse on the full awareness of breathing. I heard these words of the Buddha one time when he was staying in Savati in the Eastern Park with many well-known and accomplished disciples including Shariputra, Maha Mogalana, Maha Kashyapa, Maha Kakanya, Maha Gotita, Maha Kapina, Maha Kunda, Aniruddha, Ravata, and Ananda. The senior bhikkhus in the community were diligently instructing bhikkhus who were new to the practice. Some instructing 10 bhikkhus, some 20, some 30, and some 40. And in this way, the bhikkhus, who were new to the practice, gradually made great progress. That night, the moon was full, and the pavarana ceremony was held to mark the end of the rainy season retreat. Lord Buddha, the awakened one, was sitting in the open air, and his disciples were gathered around him. After looking over the assembly, he began to speak. I am pleased, bhikkhus, I am pleased to observe the fruit you have obtained in your practice. Yet I know you can make even more progress. What you have not yet attained, you can attain. What you have not yet realized, you can realize perfectly. To encourage your efforts, I will remain here until the next full moon day. When they heard that the Lord Buddha was going to remain in Savati for another month, bhikkhus throughout the country began traveling there to study with him. The senior bhikkhus continued teaching the bhikkhus new to the practice even more ardently. Some were instructing ten bhikkhus, some twenty— some 30 and some 40. With this help, the newer bhikkhus were able, little by little, to continue their progress in understanding. When the next full moon day arrived, the Buddha, seated under the open sky, looked over the assembly of bhikkhus and began to speak. "O bhikkhus, our community is pure, and good at its heart it is without useless and boastful talk and therefore it deserves to receive offerings and to be considered a field of merit such a community is rare and any pilgrim who seeks it no matter how far he must travel will find it worthy The full awareness of breathing, if developed and practiced continuously, will be rewarding and bring great advantages. It will lead to success in practicing the four establishments of mindfulness. What is the way to develop and practice continuously the method of full awareness of breathing so that the practice will be rewarding and offer great benefit? It is like this, bhikkhus. The practitioner goes into the forest or to the foot of a tree or to any deserted place, sits stably, holds his or body quite straight and practices like this. Breathing in, I know I am breathing in. Breathing out, I know I am breathing out. So here starts the little section of specific guidance for you. And I would like to give you some guidance as you listen to this and work with it. This is to sit in a comfortable posture with the back straight, and that means bringing your shoulder blades together a little bit. Going back to that from time to time, because it's easy to lose it, it means to have your eyes open here in this present moment just slightly, but to use your inner eye, there's an inner eye, to be with your breath. As I read, some of these things may not make sense to you. So I'm going to read fully, and then I'm going to leave a little space for you to try it. I noticed when that was the case for me, I just put a little smile on my face and did the best I could, because maybe it was the first time I ever tried to do that. Of course, we need practice. So, three guidelines your body posture, your eyes, the inner eye, there with your breath. And don't know mind, just doing your best with each of the guidelines. So, here we go. First, I'll read. And then I will leave a space so that you can try it, because I've noticed when I try to read it and do it at the same time, it does not work as well. Okay so And you can you don't have to keep your hands in hapchang. You can do the meditation mudra, or you may have one that's more suitable for you. Number one: breathing in a long breath. I know I am breathing in a long breath. Breathing out a long breath. I know I am breathing out a long breath. Please go ahead. So you actually make it a little long if that's the guidance. Number two, breathing in a short breath. I know I am breathing in a short breath. Breathing out a short breath. I know I am breathing out a short breath. the whole space of time with whatever the guideline is. Number three, breathing in, I am aware of my whole body. Breathing out, I am aware of my whole body. Breathing in, I calm my body. Breathing out, I calm my whole body. 5. Breathing in, I feel joyful. Breathing out, I feel joyful. He or she practices like this. Number six, breathing in, I feel happy. Breathing out, I feel happy. He or she practices like this. Seven. Breathing in, I am aware of my mental formations. Breathing out, I'm aware of my mental formations. Breathing in, number eight, I calm my mental formations. Breathing out, I calm my mental formations. Practicing like this. Finally, at least for this time, breathing in, I observe the impermanent nature of all dharmas. Breathing out, I observe the impermanent nature of all dharmas things. practicing like this. The second final one. Breathing in, I observe letting go. Breathing out, I observe letting go. Practicing like this.